Welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. Join your host, Rhonda Arl and Laura Forehand. We want to help you as teachers reach your full potential by keeping you up to date with all the latest and best Whole Brain Teaching strategies. Whole Brain Teaching is a grassroots educational reform movement founded by Coach Chris Biffle, Jay Vanderfin, and Chris Rexstad. Whole Brain Teaching's goal is to create peaceful classrooms through orderly fun. To support the podcast, please like and share with other teachers. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. And now, here are Laura and Rhonda. Hi there. Welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. We're so grateful that you joined us today. My name is Laura Forehand. I'm a Platinum Certified Whole Brain Teaching Instructor, and I'm here with my wonderful friend, Rhonda. Hello, everyone. I'm Rhonda Arlt. I'm a second grade teacher in Kansas. I'm a Whole Brain Teaching staff member and delighted to be here to talk about Beloved Rascals today. Yes. Today, we are thrilled to have executive board member Andre Deschotel. Did I say your last name right, Andre? Pretty close, Laura. It's Des Hotel, the Des Hotel. <laughs> Andre Des Hotel, um, here to discuss something every teacher has encountered, which is beloved rascals. And this is such a relevant topic. But before we dive into our conversation about those beloved rascals, can you tell us how you came to know and love whole brain teaching, Andre? Wow. Well, firstly, I'd like to thank both of you for having me on. Um, I think both of you are phenomenal educators, and each of you brings so much wisdom and experience to our whole brain teaching community. Um, and so the fact that you joined forces for this podcast um, is truly a gift to all of us. So thank you for that. Thank you. Um, yes. So a little bit about my whole brain teaching origin story. So my first two years in the classroom, I knew nothing about whole brain teaching and everything about failing in classroom management. Um, It was just something that didn't come natural to me. And I was truly struggling there. And to the point where I was questioning the career path I chose. And it was towards the end of my second year, I went into this faculty meeting and projected on a slide was this tongue-in-cheek phrase, and it said, don't worry, the first 30 years are always the hardest. And as I'm sitting there and I'm processing this phrase, my mindset makes this very slight pivot, and I start to embrace the fact that face hardships feature of this, this career, then I can face that. I can embrace the deep, dark trenches of my classroom. <laughs> so, I, I began to just have this, this shift of mindset. And I told myself, if this is what it, it's all about, then I'm going to go into those deep, dark trenches and I'm going to get down in it and I'm going to get muddy. Well, in that moment, that was a great little TED talk I gave to myself, but I was still <laughs> lacking practical tools and strategies to face these challenges, right? So what does one do? Whenever you have uh, a problem and you're looking for a fix or a solution to say a leaky faucet, introducing whole brain teaching strategies for the very first time in an inner city middle school classroom. While watching this video, I could not turn my head. The only similar experience to this is on some really 
tough New Year's diet that's completely ridiculous. And I find myself on the Food Network channel and they're making some decadent triple chocolate cake dessert. I can't look away, right? And it's everything I want and I'm craving in that moment. It was the same feeling with while watching these videos. And so, of course, I kept looking for more whole grain teaching videos. And truth be told, at first, I was completely creeped out by mirror words. Totally creeped out by it. But I pushed through that. And I found myself just really wanting to make a change in my classroom management. And I felt like this was something that was practical. So I went into that third year and I didn't go in with much. I think I had class, yes, teach okay, and the scoreboard. And so I give it a go. And the response was just inspiring. It was truly amazing. My students bought into it. And that really motivated me to go back to the website and dig up new nuggets to bring back to the classroom and try those out. And uh, you'll never believe what I decided to do. Like week one, mirror words. That's right. I went for it. (laughs) And that went over very well. And so that third year, I'm on the website and I see that there's going to be a whole brain teaching national conference. And get this. It's two hours from my house and it's free. Oh, yes, I'm going to this thing, right? <laughs> and look, honestly, for me, it's kind of underwhelming to describe it as a conference or a seminar or a training. Mm-hmm. As cheesy as it will sound, it was my educational metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. And this welcoming discomfort that I was feeling while being an attendee there was the feeling of growth. That's how I was growing as an educator. And so, Um, If you've ever been to a whole brain teaching conference, maybe you can relate. It's kind of like equal parts exhilaration and terror, right? Because you don't know what's going to happen minute by minute. You're on the edge of your seat. Am I going to get called out? Am I not going to get called out? Um, And you're learning all of these amazing strategies and systems. And so um, that was kind of what really helped me get my uh, teacher wings, not to add more cheese here, but it's how I got my teacher wings. And um, it's been such a remarkable ride and I've never looked back. That's awesome. Well, that's a phenomenal story. Thank you so much. But I will have to say your videos inspired me that same way. I mean, I can remember sending one to my principal and saying, I want to be like this guy eventually. (laughs) Still not there yet, but your video always rocked it for me. I mean, just kind of got me hooked into it even more. So thank you so much for that because you've got some remarkable videos out there of your classroom. So definitely. Thank you. Well, thank you for those flowers. I appreciate it. (laughs) You're most welcome. So we're happy to have you on to talk about beloved rascals. And we hear this a lot with whole brain teaching, whether it's on the website, it's at a conference or um, on our Facebook pages. So can you um, start us off by telling us exactly what is a beloved rascal? Yes. So a beloved rascal is a student that is really challenging. And when I say challenging, I'm not just talking about a student who is overtly defiant or disrespectful. Um, We also have to consider that beloved rascals are our students that are in a shell that are kind of in the background, if you will. And so any student that is not fully applying themselves to what's going on in the classroom Um, we consider a a beloved rascal. And so we have a host of tools and strategies and interventions that we can do to support that that student. Okay, so um, 
thinking about it, it seems like no matter how long we've been teaching or how long we've been using these whole brain teaching strategies in our classrooms, we can all encounter these students who refuse to participate in whole brain teaching strategies or perhaps anything we're asking them to do in our classroom. So how do you approach these students? Great question. Um, I think as educators, and I'm guilty as well, whenever we are bringing back into our classroom environment a new system or strategy that we've self-discovered, that it's not mandated, it's something we found, we go in with that on high expectations. We feel as though we're taking a risk on this thing and we better see good return. Otherwise, we're going to be quick to hit the abort button, right? Mm -hmm. And I just encourage educators to show yourself some grace when implementing anything, especially whole brain teaching, and know that you may not get all of your kids bought in right from the get-go. I don't think I've ever started a school year where we have day one, moment one, or even month one for that matter, where all of my kids are on board. And most of them will be on board, but there's always that handful that are kind of getting on the whole brain teaching train at their own pace. Mm -hmm. And I just approach them and I support them and their progress. And um, I can't help but not think of a story about one of my students from several years back. His name was Jerome. And whenever I met Jerome, we were three, four months into the school year. And by this point, my classroom management systems and expectations are polished and on point, right? And I met Jerome at my classroom door and his, ta his stature um, was really, really large and he kind of towered over me. So I look up and I say, hey, Jerome, it's nice to meet you. Uh, let me show you to, my, uh, to an open seat. And I tell him, look, just take in everything. And at the end of class, um, I'll take a minute with you and we'll kind of talk about it, okay? And so I get back into the lesson. I'm class yesing. I'm mirror wording. Teach okay. Mighty oh yeah. Mighty grown this. And I look back at Jerome and I see that his head is on his desk. And I think to myself, okay, this might be an issue. But class ended and I never addressed it that first day. New day comes and I'm into the lesson and I look back at Jerome and what do I see? Jerome's head is down again. So I'm telling myself, all right, so I do need to address this. And so it was during a teach okay moment that I go over to him and I tap him on his shoulder and up comes very slowly, the biggest stank guy I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. And all I could think to say to Jerome in that moment was, hey, you see that stank guy you're giving me right now? Can you keep that one stank guy up for the rest of this class period? I don't want to see both stank guys, Jerome. I just want the one. And he gives me this little side grin. I'm like, okay, progress. I went home that night and I told my wife, you'll never believe what happened to me and my new student. I had a breakthrough. I got him to give me a, a little tiny grin. You know, we're all about celebrating those small wins. And so I went in the next day and I encouraged him, hey, you know that stink eye you had up yesterday, that single stink eye? Can you hit me with the double stink eye today? And you know what, Jerome? If you could make one of those stink eyes stinkier than the other, man, that would just be good entertainment for both of us, right? And so he gives me another grin. A couple of days later, I tell Jerome, hey, you know that thing that happens whenever I say clap, clap, teach, and everybody says clap, clap, okay, and that neighbor turns to you and he starts talking to you? Every now and again, Jerome, when it feels right to you, can you just nod your head? Let him know you, you're hearing him, right? Don't even look at him, Jerome. Just nod your head. 
And so I'd go on with the lesson and I'd see him every now and again, nodding his head. And of course I would praise him on that. A couple of days later, I'd say, Jerome, you're doing great with this. You've been nodding. Hey, if you feel like it, whenever your neighbor turns to you and teaches you every now and again, just say word. That's it, Jerome. Just say the word word, you know, let them know you are there with them. And I'd go back to the front of the room and I'd start teaching and I'd see Jerome's lips moving. I don't know what he was saying, but he was talking and that was an improvement, right? And so by the end of that school year, I could say all eyes on Jerome and he would rise up and you better believe everybody was watching Jerome when he stood up, right? And so my success with that kind of student was I met him where he was and I gave him small attainable goals so that he could feel success. And when he felt that success, I gave him the next small goal. And so I I would just take the approach of exactly that. Meet those kids that are not on board, meet them where they are and encourage them small step by small step. And if you look at this, this is just the fundamental philosophy of super improvers, right? Where we meet kids where they are and we give them these small goals. That's exactly the approach I took. That's awesome. awesome. That reminds me of, I mean, I love that story because it reminds me so much of what coach told me, oh, it was probably about a year ago now, how if our students are reacting from their prefrontal cortex, we cannot react from our prefrontal cortex when responding to our students. And, and that's what I see that you, you did. But I'm going to be honest with you here as a teacher. I have had those students that have been like stepping squishing on my last nerve. And so how do you, how do you reach those students that are pushing your buttons or are working on your last nerve, so to speak? How, how do you reach them? Yeah, great question, Laura. Um, so as humans, of course, we come with emotions and our students are very quick to learn our buttons. Mm-hmm. And some might even push those buttons. And there are a few that will hold down our buttons, right? Yes. And so it can be easily, we can easily get emotionally charged. Mm-hmm. But if we ever approach a beloved rascal who has a fire going in the classroom and we approach them with our fire, well, now we have two fires and we're both getting burned, right? True. So. Mm-hmm. And if we look at and if we look at our brain, we are neurobiologically wired to have those emotional responses off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we go a little deeper, we have our prefrontal cortex in the front of our head, and that controls our decision making, our reasoning. And then we also have this other area of our brain called the limbic system, which is deep down in the center, and mm-hmm. that controls all of our emotions. And we have more connections from our limbic system to our prefrontal cortex than vice versa. In other words, what this means is our emotions easily overrule our reason. And so this is why we say and do things in the heat of the moment. And 10 minutes later, we realize, wow, I really didn't bring my best self to that moment. Um, We're able to kind of think about what our actions were. We're in that Mm -hmm. prefrontal cortex mode. And so um, when we find ourselves in that situation in the classroom where a beloved rascal is really getting us hot under the collar, I like to do something called strategic retreat. And Coach B uh, put this out there several summers ago. And basically, you're getting in front of your emotionally charged self with a statement. 
And the statement is this, that you would bring up to your rascal and you would simply say, you deserve the best from me. And right now I'm feeling upset. We'll talk later. Oh, that's good. So if we, un- yeah. And if we unpack that, the first part of that says right now, actually the first part of that says you deserve the best from me. And what that does is it communicates respect in a highly emotional moment, right? Mm-hmm. The right, second right. part says right now I'm feeling upset. And so what we're doing there is we're tagging our emotion with a name and that's upset. We're communicating how we feel. And then the third part of that is we will talk later. And that allows us to address that behavior with our reason, not our emotion. So that whole thing right there, that one statement models emotional regulation, which is exactly what our kids need to see more of. So Mm -hmm. again, it's you deserve the best from me. And right now I'm feeling upset. We will talk later. That strategic retreat. And um, I love using that whenever I know that I'm not going to present my best self to a particular situation. And can I ask you, what grade do you teach? Yes. So um, I spent most of my teaching career in middle school. I'm currently serving as an assistant administrator in an elementary setting, and I deal primarily with behavior and discipline. Okay. So both Rhonda and I teach second grade. Do you see that strategic retreat working even with your younger elementary students? Absolutely. Um, I've, we have first through third grade here, and I've used it a few times already. Um, and it's gone over much better than the alternative, which is me going with my fire to put out my beloved rascal's fire. Right. So yeah, definitely. Oh, that's and maybe awesome. the language And maybe the language could change slightly if you're addressing a first grader, for sure. sure. Well, thanks right. for sharing that. That's awesome. Well, as a parent, we all want to believe our little Susie or Johnny is angelic. And as teachers, having those conversations with parents about their child's behavior can be tricky. So what advice do you have for teachers about talking to parents about their rascal? Yes. So like I said, in my current role, I deal primarily with student behavior and discipline. Um, So naturally, I speak to a lot of parents and some parents I'm speaking to multiple times a week. And they can answer the phone and just sound so incredibly defeated Mm. and at a complete loss for how to help their own child. And sadly, some have given up. And so I remember a few summers ago, Coach was talking about a reality. And the reality is, despite all of the amazing whole brain teaching strategies and relationship building skills that we have, despite all of that, we still may not be able to reach every single kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he added on to that by saying, but we never give up trying. We never give up on that kid. And that sentiment really stayed with me. And now I apply it with my, my parent communications. And so if I'm talking to a parent and um, this is the, say the third time this week, where we're talking about the, behavioral challenges that their kid is bringing, um, then I like to kind of keep parents as an ally. And so Mm -hmm. if I feel the conversation is going a little sideways, I will tell that parent with lots of vulnerability, I'll say, listen, your child deserves the very best from us and we will not give up on your kid. I'm going to keep showing up for your kid and I'm going to give him or her my best efforts every single day. And when a parent senses that authentic um, 
feeling from the school, that can keep them as an ally. And we know that the best chance we have at helping those truly troubled kids is whenever home and school can be united and working together to try to help this kid find success. So again, um, the piece of advice I have there is just to tell that parent that you have no plans on giving up on their kid. And that can be really calming to that conversation. Good point, thank you. Yeah, really good point. Um, I'm just gonna speak for both Rhonda and I right now that this has been such a great conversation to have um, at, as we are embarking on our second semester, going, getting ready to go back into the classroom. And we have loved having you on our podcast today to share all that really good wisdom. I think sometimes it's hard to take a step back um, with all that's going on this year in our classrooms, not just Beloved Rascals, but pandemics and and everything else. So this has been so enriching for um, both of us. And I'm sure I will be going back (laughs) to listen um, to this podcast often to help me with those Beloved Rascals. Um, You shared with us a story about Jerome and I loved that story, but do you have any more kind of words of encouragement, any other um, stories from your own experience that you can leave us with? Oh, sure. So I'll just want to take this time to remind all of these educators never to underestimate your impact. Um, And this next story about a girl named Abigail that I taught just two years ago allowed me to really lean on that message that I should never underestimate the impact that I have. Mm -hmm. So Abigail was a very tall, thin girl, and she had long, straight hair parted down the middle and her hair would kind of hang over her face. It covered most of her face, in fact. And you just knew she was the kind of girl that wished she was invisible. And every day when she would enter our classroom, I'd give her a warm greeting like all my other students. But Abigail gave me this look back that just said, I want to throat punch you. (laughs) And so she didn't give me these positive vibes, right? Mm -hmm. And so she rarely spoke in our class. She did not actively participate in much. She just had so many walls up and I would keep trying to have these breakthroughs with Abigail, but I was not very successful, or at least I felt that way. Well, it's the last week of school and Abigail has this little tiny strip of paper that she has folded up and she puts it on her table, takes her pointer finger and slides it towards me. I'm in the front of the classroom, her table in the front as well. And I look at it and I'm thinking, okay, does she want to pass this note to me? And so I ask her, Abigail, what's this for me? And she gives me this ominous blink. And so I take it as, okay, yeah, it's mine. So I take the little slip of paper and I put it on my laptop card and I decide to read it later. Well, later comes and um, before I open the note, I start preparing myself. Okay, this might not be a healthy read. (laughs) I know this now. So let's just see what this is all about. And I'm expecting to open this up and it'd be like the top 10 ways she would like to harm me. All right. That's just the vibe she had. And so I opened the note and there are five words written down on this note. And it says, this was my favorite class. Oh, wow. 
I had to reread that <laughs> note multiple times. I thought for sure there was some menacing hidden message there. I was trying to unscramble the letters to say, would they say something else to me? But I was reminded in that moment that to never underestimate my impact. So I would just like to remind our listeners to never underestimate their impact. And even though our impact isn't always brought to light, be reminded it is here and it is happening and you are making a difference. And thank you for continuing to show up for your students. That is so good. Yes, it is. Well, you've helped us better understand how to deal with those beloved rascals. Um, And you've been a true inspiration. I think everybody's gonna enjoy listening to you and your stories about this, but where can people learn more about information you have shared with us today? Absolutely. So um, I would suggest going to our Whole Brain Teaching website. That's wholebrainteaching.com. There's a wealth of information there, all organized beautifully by the wonderful Sarah Metter. And if you'd like to reach out to me directly, I have an Instagram at Brain Engager. And of course, you can email me at Andre Desitel at wholebrainteaching.com. And I would love to connect with you and support you in any way I can. Yes, and be sure to check out those Facebook pages and also Instagram either, you know, I, oh, go ahead. Were you going to say something, Andre? Well, you mentioned the Facebook groups and I was like, absolutely. That is a wonderful place to stop for sure. Yes. So check those out. There are the Facebook groups for every grade level, as well as like super improver and virtual if you're teaching virtually. So check those out. But we are so thankful that you joined us today. And I just can't thank you enough. I feel like I'm re-energized to go back into the classroom tomorrow. You, Like Rhonda said, you've just, I think, inspired us as veteran teachers. And I, I can't imagine how much you're going to inspire those newbies that are listening. So thank you so much for being here today. Definitely an inspiration. Well, don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast app and to share this podcast as teachers, our goal is to help other teachers through these podcasts. Thank you so much for listening.